This is the Troll Patrol. Live. With Justin. Freaking. Hold on, let me check Twitch and make sure I'm speaking to you guys. Semi-live, it's about five seconds, but that seems that seems about normal. It would be five seconds off. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's... I lowered the... I didn't even put my background back up. I'm sorry. This is... It's all been... It's all been a mess. I think I... I think I can drop the bitrate down a little bit more. Maybe make it better in times like these. Somebody's following. What's up? Oh, Warlord with the resub. Thank you. It looks like it's, my my buddy said that to me the other day. It looks like your TV is broke. Nope, it's just a picture. It's just a picture. It's, it's Kesha, by the way. I'm a big Kesha fan. Oh, shit's going on over here. Jonah twenty six sixteen oh six. Coming in hot. What do I think about Israel, motherfucker? Let me get my background graphics up for shit. <laughs> We ain't even got through the intro. I ain't got high. So I watched the Ron DeSantis, Charlie Chris debate earlier. I don't know if you guys got to watch it. <laughs> I don't. I don't feel like you guys were with me on the debate, but that was uh, something. First of all, both men were incredibly polished, but DeSantis really impressed me. DeSantis really scared me, scared me at how well-spoken he was during the debate. He, at one point in time, made direct eye contact with Floridians, made a, a fantastic personal anecdote, told a joke, and told the people what he would do for him next term. Now, Charlie Chris kept trying to get Ron DeSantis to say that Ron DeSantis would serve a full term as governor should Floridians re-elect him. He refused to say that throughout the debate. Charlie Chris tried to get him on that one. Charlie Chris tried to get him on abortion. I'm, I'm going to hand that one to DeSantis. I think DeSantis did a really good job. And I had been so unimpressed with DeSantis up until this moment that I was floored at how absolutely polished he was. How well-spoken he came across. And that's, that's by doing these press conferences all the fucking time. He's out in front of the cameras. He's out talking to reporters. So he has honed his skills. It scares me. It scares me that that Ron DeSantis performed that well in that debate. Because no shit, he probably won. (laughs) FBI, we are on to you. If you think a guy in drag reading to kids is sexualizing them, it means you find men in drag sexy. Until we meet again. (laughs) This is deep fake, Justin. <laughs> uh, Warlord and I had a whole discussion about Rishi Sunak. I was trying to get a a a gauge on whether 
Warlord actually supported Sunak, or just he's he's the least offensive of the candidates possible. And Warlord was like, well, I voted for him. I'm like, I voted for Biden too, motherfucker. Come on. Not high enough for this shit after all the things we have been through here tonight. Is it still Diwali? Um, I did an excellent piece on exactly what uh, the Festival of Lights in India is. But I thought that was last night. Or at least the start of it was last night. Perhaps perhaps it's more than a one-day festival. We actually covered this last year. It's on October 34th. So we're still going. It's October 34th. It's not October 34th yet. So anyway, the, the Friday Night Freak Show back this Friday. Everyone's favorite media winch is going to be the Halloween Freak Show special guest co-host. So do tune in for that. I've got some I've got some fun shit we're going to be talking about on the Friday Night Freak Show this Friday. Hopefully the internet cooperates, but it tends to do better later at night. You will remember I had an issue. This is this is eerily reminiscent of the issue I had at my old apartment. Where like they just were not giving me the upload speed I was entitled to. And that's what's going on here. I am entitled to 15 megs of upload speed, and they only given me six or seven right now. So, or less. Six or seven's usually enough to stream. Ten, perfectly fine. Fifteen, which I'm supposed to be getting... Yeah, I'm going going over all the tech issues. You still might be getting a little bit of a delay. It is dropping frames on me, but not near as bad. Holy shit! This fucking this 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 issue tonight is is gonna it's gonna drive me to drinking. Let me see what the delay actually is. Not too bad. Not too bad. So glad to see you guys. I'm not high enough for this shit. This is some, uh... I'm smoking some weed that I went into a store and purchased. I know, I know, this is, this is... This is something a lot of people have already experienced. This was my first time actually going into a store and buying weed. I thought it was very cool. And it's still, uh, it was in Virginia where it is not a dispensary legal state yet dispensaries hit the state in 2024 I went to a grow house where I told them what I wanted then paid $140 for a bag of CBD which allowed me to get a half ounce sample of the THC product I was into Ray, Simp, Warlord, RB, good evening, guys. It's still looking like it's fucked up. Chainsaw, my man. Jonah. Or Jonna? Jonna261606. What do you think about Israel, they say? And as I said, coming in fucking hot. 
Israel, the topic where even if you agree with all your friends on, if you, you bring up, if you still want to start a fight, I, um, I just fucked up that John Oliver joke. Israel, the topic you bring up, if you and your friends agree on everything, but you still want to start a fight. There we go. That was the joke. I stole that from John Oliver. So far, so good. I'm glad. It keeps it keeps dropping into the red. It's telling me it's dropping frames. Warlord says maybe we're behind by like 15 seconds. Chainsaw, my man! Go give Chainsaw a sub. Are you are you streaming on Twitch as well? I saw your YouTube video earlier. Gave you a watch. Gave you a sub. My buddy on YouTube. Let me let me flip through my history here. Give you a YouTube shout out then, my friend. Yep, yep, yep. It is just another day in mass shooting USA. But remember, kids, remember. My shit's out of order. Shoot up drugs, not schools. It's a better time for everybody. I promise you. Cash, coffee, and chaos. I fucking I love the name. Let's get you. Let's get you some subscribers so we can get you up to the uh, barrier to entry to getting your 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 real name on YouTube. Getting a channel name and a and a fucking handle and shit. Fuck YouTube for taking that shit away. But also, like that's how I ended up as. Uh, Justin Freakin. Originally, my YouTube channel was Mr. Justin Freakin because Justin Freakin was already taken. But because I had, uh, I got the whatever 5,000 subscribers or whatever it was, 3,000 maybe, I don't know. Because I had that and apparently the other Justin Freakin didn't. I'm Justin Freakin now. And Mr. Justin Freakin, like I used to be on YouTube, still directs to my channel, so it all worked out well. I'm Justin Freakin everywhere on the social medias except for Twitter. They don't let me on the Twitter anymore. But I don't want to go on your Twitter anyway. That's That's not true. I was really enjoying my time on Twitter. Elon let me back. Apparently, the the uh, purchase of Twitter by Elon Musk could happen as soon as like a week or two from now. I would I would say it's closer to end of year, but apparently it could go forward as soon as next week. I'll believe it when I see it. Let me back on Twitter, and not not even just let me back on Twitter as Justin Freakins like I was, which I think is why Lance in my in my YouTube trailer, Lance from the Surfs gives me a shout out, but calls me Justin Freakins, probably because he was looking at my Twitter. Oh, oh, thank you, Ray. Thank you. That. 
That makes me feel good. I try to lay out during the debates, though, so I don't I don't interject as much commentary. I thought Charlie. Here's here's the funny thing I was on about during the debate, since you guys missed it. I thought Charlie Crist had a can of beans on his debate podium. Apparently, that was like a coffee tumbler. After I got a better look at it. But maybe I just wanted to say this waddy over here eating beans. Got some bong water in my mouth. That ain't good. The beans won. Now DeSantis did a really good job. DeSantis held his own. Um, I'm a little. I'm a little. I'm, I thought DeSantis was rather unimpressive. Everything I've seen of of him up until this point, but my God, did he do a good job during that debate? It has scared the shit out of me. It has scared the shit out of me, guys. I can definitely see how he would be a 2024 contender now. I didn't see it before. I did not see it before. He was so polished, so well rehearsed, so on the money. Not that he was right. I mean, Chris Chris pointed out he lied about a lot of things, but he was slick as fuck when he said them. So I I am far more scared of Ron DeSantis after tonight than what I was going into this debate. Or or yeah, going into tonight. I was not expecting him to pull off that kind of performance. I really I really thought he was going to be a dud. At one point in time, he looked directly at the camera, made eye contact with every Floridian. God, what was the policy he said? Making uh and this this was absolutely rehearsed. He, he making child products, uh, wipes, baby formula, all that stuff, making it a tax holiday and making it permanent for all Floridians. He then told a fantastic personal anecdote about why his wife said, why didn't you do that your first year in office? He's like, hey, you live and you learn. He got a great laugh out of it. And that's slick. Right, right at the camera. Holy shit, that's a that's a winning policy. He delivered it well. That was the moment of the debate. Pushed back more on the trans information, misinformation that uh uh DeSantis was spewing. He did not do a good job of hammering DeSantis on COVID at all. I did a better job on commentary of hammering DeSantis on COVID. White at the camera. That's exactly right. So I give this one to DeSantis, and now I'm I'm really worried about what 2024 is gonna look like because DeSantis is an effective fascist. Trump was an idiot. Alright, alright, I guess I guess we're gonna do news now. I was gonna just talk to you guys, see how it went. Apparently I can talk I I can I can go on we can do a news program 
But it does look like we are dropping some frames, so it does seem like probably by the end of the show you're going to be a couple minutes behind. But it's 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 hanging on. But especially, I don't want to leave the the podcast audience hanging. And, and podcast audience, I know you didn't get a show last night. I'm uh, uh, producer Dave has told me I am allowed to have the audio from. Uh, uh, the Plex podcast from last night. I might put that up there for you guys as a special bonus. I co-hosted the Plex podcast on Echoplex Media last night. I I got my internet issues fixed as best I could, and I thought I thought I was back rocking and rolling right before the Plex went on. And Dave was like, "Hey, won't you come on and co-host?" Never co-hosted the Plex podcast. I was like, Ab- "Absolutely, that sounds like a lot of fun." Thank you, Simp. So I I will probably throw that up for podcast listeners so you guys have an extra episode in place of the episode I didn't give you last night. That's what the Plex podcast is is far more up my wheelhouse than everything else that producer Dave does, right? So with the with the satanic panic and the religious uh I mean religion is kind of up my alley but like he goes into the Scientology and all that bullshit conspiracy nuts and stuff and like I'm kind of I am floored by some of the shit that I see over there on Echoplex but the the Plex podcast is more of like a, a roundup of the week kind of the the funniest news and like I, like I was aware of all these stories I probably already had material with the stories in my head from doing the doing the news all week anyway so I felt very much on my game. Thank you, producer Dave, for having me on. As always, usually, usually I just bust in during red light, like the Kool Aid Man. Hey, fucks, what's going on? I'm here now. Always a blast over on Echo Place. What are we talk about? We got news to talk about because we didn't do news last night. I got a whole show from last night. Plus, I got shit from from today because you know it's Monday. News happened. There's a school shooting today. Uh, hate that. We're gonna get an update from one of my favorite scholars, Reza Aslam, on uh, the uprising in Iran. We're gonna talk about the new prime minister of Britain. How Liz Trust got ousted after only 45, 46 days now. What is it? 47? Warlord, are you here? We're going to talk about the Chinese double agent. I believe was indicted by the Justice Department earlier today. They held a, a press conference that a lot of people thought had something to do with Trump. I saw a lot of people thinking it was it was having to do with Trump. Because it, it was like all of the big wigs coming in for this. U.S. cannot ignore the pink tide in Latin America any longer. Pink tide. Speaking of which, Bernie Sanders has some words for Republicans heading into the midterms. We're going to hear from Nancy Pelosi, who is apparently confident about the Democrats' chances in the midterms. I, I debate on whether to... Put the clip of Michael Moore. Apparently, a lot of people are talking about Michael Moore is predicting that the Democrats are going to win. 
they're putting a lot of stock in it because he's the one that predicted like Trump was going to win. He's one of the only people on TV saying Trump would win in 2016. And he actually predicted the states that would go for Trump. So I did not put that on the list, but we might do that. We might skip a couple of these because they're not, they might not be as important as they were last night when I was putting the show together. We're probably we're probably gonna play the crit, the clip of Trump talking about uh, uh, prison rape for the <laughs> Supreme Court Justice leaker, which was probably a conservative. Yeah, I'm nixing this 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 Trump update about what's going on is legal orbit. We got enough of that. Alan Weisselberg said to be the star witness in the tax fraud trial against Trump. It was yesterday was the Sunday morning news show. So, of course, I've got clips from the Sunday morning news shows that we did. This is one of the reasons why I really preferred that I went to Sunday through Thursday as opposed to Monday through Friday for the news. Is we get to cover what happened on the Sunday morning news shows. There's usually, you know, a lot of shit that happens over the weekend. So, if 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 we're doing news on a Monday, it feels like it's so much to, to talk about. Going over everything that happened over the weekend. A reporter confronted Mike Lee about his role in January 6th. Apparently, the angel of death is coming for Lindsey Graham. Justice Clarence Thomas has temporarily blocked the subpoena on Lindsey Graham for having to testify in the Georgia election fraud uh, investigation. Grand jury that has been impaneled. Also, my brain ain't right. I ain't thinking right. I have insane video from Arizona of armed men watching over ballot drop boxes. This comes on the heels of Arizona gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake calling for a stop to early voting. I don't even know what she did. Lauren Boebert said something dumb about Joe Biden. Mike Rose said something dumb about economics. I don't know what they said, but we'll get to it. Tucker, Tucker Carlson isn't happy. I don't know what he's not happy about. I like I like the way my notes are very uh, indescript. Usually I try to give a good, concise summation of the story so I can do this billboard here, but for some reason I wrote Tucker not happy. <laughs> I don't know what he's not happy about. <laughs> oh, it has something to do with his kid. It has something to do with his kid, Tom Tom Emerson Buckley or something. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, apparently The View had Ted Cruz on today, and it got wild. So I got video of that. We might have to skip the COVID stories for tonight. I don't know. The CDC director tested positive for COVID. The main symptoms have changed. I kind of want to go over that. I got a really cool thing about... uh, Maybe you want to rethink what you're giving out at Halloween. And I think the story is really badass. I'm going to highlight it for you here towards the end of the show. Elon Musk says... uh, Some rando on Twitter made a really good point about uh, Jeff Bezos and the Washington Post... Elon's wealth has fallen, but he's still the richest man in the world. 
I just wanted to laugh at Elon for a little bit. Alex Jones. And th- once again, I have I have the audio, I'm pretty sure of this. Alex Jones saying Obama was a fan. He just ate a big old bowl of chili. This happened just down the road from me. Okay, there is a a rivalry between two of the schools here in the area. And it's a it's a, they call it a, a bowl game, whatever the fuck that means. It's a big deal when the two football teams face off. It's high school football I'm talking about. And they had a skydiver that they decided to have. Uh, skydive onto the field or I guess attempt to skydive because uh, I guess skydive requires not dying because you went they still held the football game was a teacher in California was arrested in the disappearance of a student from the school in 2020. Scatterbox, what is up, my friend? Tucker, no smile. I'm not sure what you were calling clan shit, Mox. <laughs> Clinically insane. Good evening. Good evening, everyone. That's the that's the show that we're gonna be talking about tonight. I'm not I'm not sure which story you're saying the fuck to clinically. <laughs> I I highlighted a couple of different the fuck kind of stories there. Oh, and I hi okay. A few weeks ago I talked about the shooting out in front of a family dollar. hovering over the ballot boxes and shit. I agree. That's that's some clan fucking shit. How do you hold the game anyway? Exactly. Hopefully we're going to hear from some officials and apparently we've got some of the video of the skydiver. I I was in the comment section because that's it was it was local news to me. This is where I went to college, so I've been following all of these news stations. Hell, I've even done some work for some of these news stations, so I follow them on Facebook. And, and like, skydiver injured at football game, and then I'm looking at the comments like, he's not just injured. (laughs) We left. That was traumatic. How could they just hold the game? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. We we talk about fucked up news here on the Troll Patrol. (laughs) That's what we do. Oof. I mean, I take it with a grain of salt. So you're in the comment section of Facebook. It is 100% gossip. You should treat it like it's the old ladies talking at, uh, at a beauty shop. You can learn a lot of shit, but you're going to hear a lot of other bullshit that ain't true. You know? It's the it's the it's the game of telephone and things get stretched way out of proportion. But through reading all the comments, you could very much piece together what happened. And then the news confirmed to me what, you know, what I took from the I was able to gather from the comments. <laughs> 
I I am just like once again they treat this ball game. It's like it's such a big deal, and that's how big a deal it is that even if somebody falls to their death right in front of them. Now now uh, the football team was unaware anybody had died and there, there was anything wrong. But the crowd and the administration, at least that's what I was told, that nobody on the football team was aware of what had happened. Neither of the football teams knew. Yeah, and it's telephone times a thousand. That is correct. Social media is bad for that. So it's de- school is definitely back in session. We're back into the swing of things. Deadly high school shooting in St. Louis. Louis just another day in mass shooting, USA. Though I don't know if it's going to technically classify as a shooting because there's only three people dead, one of those being the shooter. Here is the news hit from NBC News. As high school students left, I have I have never seen anything like this. A local news helicopter captured the fear and chaos in St. Louis as high school students left from a rooftop to escape a young shooter with a long gun. I was trying to run and I couldn't run. <laughs> Me and him made eye contact, and I'm glad I made it out because his gun got jammed. It happened at Central Visual and Performing Arts High School on the third floor. Parents racing to school. She's like, Mom, hurry up. They're shooting. She doesn't know how many, she didn't know how many people it was. So I just left work, and I just ran here to get her. After the shooter quickly killed two, authorities say police ran towards the gunfire and struck the suspect, Orlando Harris, who attended the school last year and died as officers returned fire. The officers arrived quickly, uh, made entry with no hesitation, went directly to the sound of gunfire, which is the expectation, not only of the department, but of the... Well, thank God! Seven injured were taken to hospitals suffering from gunshot and shrapnel wounds. Among the dead, a beloved teacher, Jean Kuska, and a teenage girl. Survivors recounting the gunman's chilling words. When the uh, intruder broke into her room, then uh, the intruder said, get ready to die. Police not yet releasing a motive for the mass shooting, which happened just after 9 a.m. and was broadcast over the school's PA system. We all thought it's a drill at first. Like, okay, it's just a surprise drill. Okay, we're all good. No, it's a real thing. She said, yes, this is real. There's an intruder. Please, please be careful. And all hell just kind of breaks loose. Today's quick response from police comes in stark contrast to the massacre in Uvalde, where officers were blamed for systemic failures, including their slow response to engage the shooter. We know it's not just Uvalde. I'm glad that they went in because I was going to go in. This is the first news story, Mandy. Good evening. We've been having a lot of technical issues tonight. What do we know about the suspect thus far? Well, Lester, we are still learning new details about the suspected 19-year-old gunman. Police say Orlando Harris had almost a dozen 30-round high-capacity magazines on him. He may have been suffering from mental health problems, they say. A big question remains motives. And, Lester, we should point out the police chief says the school doors were locked, which likely slowed down the gunman. Also, Ida, good evening. I don't know if I told you. Hello. So glad to see you. In California, a teacher at a school 
has been arrested in connection to the disappearance of a child from the school. No words that can really explain how you feel when you have a missing child. Outrage tonight from the parents of a Sacramento teen who is missing for two years. Tonight, KCRA 3 has learned a teacher is now under arrest on charges of hiding him. It's an astonishing case. That teacher was arrested yesterday after work at Alice Burney School in Sacramento. And wait, wait, wait. She was hiding him. Was he having issues at home and she was like safe harboring a... This is different than what I thought it was. Let's, let's, let's hear this out. After those two long years, the Grateful family says the teen is finally back home. And tonight, KCRE 3 has learned exclusively that he had been staying at the home of that teacher the entire time. KCRE 3's Melanie Wingo joins us now live. And Melanie... I thought we were going to have a dead kid story. Yeah, tonight I spoke extensively with Michael Ramirez's parents. His Was she fucking him? ...are his guardians, and they are relieved Michael is now home and thankful someone is being held accountable for him being gone so long. Two and a half years ago, this missing person flyer circulated through Greater Sacramento. Any parent out there that has a missing child, you think the worst. You think the absolute worst. The family of 15-year-old Michael Ramirez stricken with profound anxiety and concern after he disappeared. My husband had a real hard time emotionally um, feeling like he was a failure. Um, this is his biological nephew. One of six children in his home, Michael's family says he took off following a heated disagreement and never came back. There were some restrictions on him because he broke some rules and he wasn't happy about that. And for him, you know, he ran away. He felt like that, you know, the grass was greener on the other side. Since Michael was still a minor, they reported him missing to law enforcement. Rancho Cordova police and sheriff's deputies searched and interviewed his family and friends. But for nearly two years, Michael was gone. We felt so robbed of all this time with him. Then one night in March of this year, Michael, now 17 years old, showed up at their doorstep and asked to come home. So we just had this kind of dog pile Ooh. on him um, and lots of happy tears and just shock and awe. He explained to his family he'd been staying at the home of his former childhood girlfriend, a friend whose mother was questioned throughout the time he was missing. You can't just hide someone's kid and think that's okay. Now that mother, a Sacramento teacher, is facing criminal charges in connection to Michael's disappearance. 61-year-old Holga Olivares is now accused of felony and misdemeanor level crimes. No, no, I don't know, no. No one there would talk to us on camera. Well, we don't have a comment on that. As for Michael's family, this day couldn't have come soon enough. When we heard- This is a fucked up story. Lord. Knowing this may help their family on their journey toward healing. We're getting justice, you know, in seeing that someone is being held accountable for doing the wrong thing. This was not top of the of the troll patrol material. This was totally into the show material. <laughs> I just figured I'd get all the school shit out of the way, and I thought this was a dead kid. I thought a teacher was like a a a, a a killer or something, but I don't, this could be a kid in a troubled household, but they look happy. I don't, there's something going on. This does not take precedent over a new prime minister, uh, the uprising in, 
<laughs> in Iran. I'm sorry. I, I completely fucked up. But let's keep all the school stories together. <laughs> a parachutist died after attempting to skydive into a Tennessee high school football game kickoff event. There's a picture of him. Or maybe that's just a stock photo. Yeah, that's a stock photo. David Crockett High School in Jonesboro, Tennessee, a tragic accident happened. A witness who did not want to be identified was at the Musket Bowl game with his family. It just doesn't make any sense. I felt so bad for him. A skydiver crashed before the beginning of matchup with rivals David Crockett and Daniel Boone High Schools. Yeah, everybody was shocked, surprised, and they didn't know what to do. There's people rushing over, and then police got a hold of the situation. One man's daughter watched first responders check the skydiver's pulse. The guy checked his pulse, and I, from his reaction, him shaking his head, it wasn't a good sign. He either had a weak pulse or no pulse. They had a moment of silence for the skydiver, but the game continued on. To try to um, just introduce some, some sense of normal uh, that, that we began the night as. The day after this tragic event at the David Crockett High School, everyone is sending their thoughts and prayers to <laughs> thoughts and prayers. That he knew him, that he had a, a relationship with the Lord, that he's with the Lord right now in no pain or anything else, but that he would just comfort his family through this whole process too. On Monday, both schools will be provided with counseling, but the school district has yet to decide if they would like to have more skydiving. Yesterday evening at David Crockett, <laughs> they had to decide if they'll have more skydivers. Wow. Holy shit. Alright, consider this like the top story of the of the news. <laughs> the actual true top story tonight. Tomorrow, a man by the name of Rishi Sunak will be the Prime Minister of the UK. We have video from the BBC of... Good afternoon. Um, as returning the announcement in the leadership election, I can confirm uh, that we have received one valid nomination. Rishi Sunak is therefore elected as leader of the Conservative Party. <laughs> Can't design a more Scottish. Yeah, exactly. The third prime minister in a matter so of seven Sunak weeks. It's going to be our next prime minister. The third prime minister in a matter of seven weeks. This extraordinary period of tumult in British politics. Its next chapter marked now with confirmation from Penny Mordaunt that she is withdrawing from this race or hasn't made the nominations. I haven't yet managed to read exactly what she is saying. But the crucial detail here at two o'clock is that Penny Mordaunt is out. The Conservative leadership race is over. Rishi Sunak is going to be our next Prime Minister. Booyah, that, I believe it takes place tomorrow. He will be meeting with the king. Let's talk about how Liz Truss got ousted. And I'm just wondering if, if Sunag is not just another fall guy. Warlord tells me no. But I don't understand how 
anybody is going to be able to deal with the situation and the cards he is being dealt. Brought to you by Brilliant. And the first 200 people to sign... Oh, I didn't realize this was this... I didn't realize this was this kind of video. I thought this was a, a, a news show. I thought we were getting a news hit. Not, not that this is bad. Fucking go check it out. But also... This was this was more pertinent last night when I picked it out too. If you want to watch that video from TLDR News, fucking do it. I encourage it. I like TLDR News. Let's go to Reza Islam on Reza Aslam on on Iran. Detroit, Michigan talking midterms, but as I mentioned before the break, there's something remarkable happening in Iran right now. I want to talk about it with the Iranian-American writer and scholar of global theology and a friend, Reza Aslan. His latest book was just published earlier this month, An American Martyr in Persia, The Epic Life... Yeah, all of that sounds right in the chat, but also Warlord is the one that that would verify that. ...time the writing of this book around the fact that Iran would once again uh, be in global headlines, and of course, because of that, I've got to I got to take you there for a moment because you're an expert on this. So thank you for for uh, talking to me about this and indulging me for a moment. I want to just quote from an article uh, you wrote uh, uh, in, in a piece for The Times where you describe the protests that are going on in Iran right now. You write the biggest difference between the current revolution in Iran and the so-called green movement of 2009 is that the latter never managed to extend beyond a middle class urbanized youth movement. But the dramatic images pouring out of Iran showing older women covered head to toe in chadors marching alongside unveiled women in jeans is a clear indication that this uprising is different. Farmers and factory workers, retirees and guild members, even members of Iran's vital oil industry have all joined the protests against the regime. Why, Reza? Why is this happening? Well, I think, as you said earlier, there is widespread disaffection with this regime, not just the religious aspect of it and the way in which it is forcing its own particularly conservative brand of Islam upon every sector of society, but because of the fact that it's a corrupt government. It's a government that routinely engages in horrific human rights violations. It's a government, Ali, that has failed at every every responsibility, in fact, the most basic responsibilities that a government has. And so it's not just the young people and it's not just women, it's almost every sector of society that has come together at this moment and in a single united call has been calling for the end of this regime. I was there in 2015 when the the Iran nuclear deal was being negotiated, and there was such hope amongst the people of Iran that this deal would happen and give them a better life. Uh, How much did pulling out of this deal, and I don't want to absolve the Iranian uh, regime of any responsibility in anything that's going on right now, but did the pulling out of the deal under the Trump administration create more hardline government in, in Iran? It's hard to say. I mean, certainly the elections that came out of Iran immediately after uh, the president uh, removed uh, the United States from the deal uh, has made life in Iran far, far worse. But that said, I think that what we're seeing in Iran... I was getting ready to ask if the inexplicable bowl of SpaghettiOs was a good thing or a bad thing, but apparently it's a bad thing. Yes, as you rightly note, that this was a a movement that began with the murder of Masa Jinnah Amini. But... That said, 
the reason why it has managed to get so many other swaths of the Iranian population in conservative areas and more rural areas, as you rightly said, teachers are now joining this protest, business groups are joining this protest, conservatives, even very sort of pious individuals who in the past, d during other uprisings, have kind of come to the uh, come to the sort of, you know, uh, uh, pr protection, if you will, the defense of the regime, even they are joining this uprising. And when you see a coalition like that, Ali, one thing that you can sort of guarantee is that whatever comes out of this revolution, the Iranian regime is not going to be what we see today. The, 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 the days of this regime are absolutely numbered. Your new book. This could be big. We are on. Oh, my God. He said your new book is about a little, little known American missionary named Howard Baskerville who traveled to Iran. I was hoping and nothing wrong with getting a plug, I guess. Like of all the people to get a plug. Yes, I would read a book by Reza Aslam, who is actually a scholar that you would go and read a book by. God damn it. But does every, every fucking news hit always have to have a... I thought this was going to be a breath of fresh air. And <laughs> we wouldn't get one in this segment. Oh, and I, I think it's kind of, it's kind of crass. When you're talking about something as important as the fall of the regime in Iran. I mean... Uh, who am I to say that when I've got the freak store up on the screen, I guess? Well, that's hypocritical of me. Fuck, I don't know. But I ain't got that Chinese double agent money going on. Attorney General Merrick Garland announces charges against Chinese intelligence officials. This is a clip from the press conference today where Garland announced, see, he's got Ray with him. He's got the heads of several bureaus coming together. This is why it was such a big deal. Week, the Justice Department has taken several actions to disrupt criminal activity by individuals working on behalf of the government of the People's Republic of China. As always, the defendants in these cases are presumed innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Earlier today, in the Eastern District of New York, a complaint was unsealed charging two PRC intelligence officers with attempting to obstruct, influence, and impede a criminal prosecution of a PRC-based telecommunications company. The complaint alleges that in 2019, the defendants directed an employee at a U.S. government law enforcement agency to steal confidential information about the United States criminal prosecution of the company. The defendants believed that they had recruited the U.S. employee as an asset, but in fact, the individual they recruited was actually a double agent working on behalf of the FBI. As the complaint alleges, the defendants paid a bribe to the double agent to obtain non-public information, huh. including files from the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Eastern District. They did so in the hope of obtaining the prosecution strategy memo, confidential information regarding witnesses, trial evidence, and potential new charges to be brought against the company. The double agent provided the defendants with documents that appeared to present some of the information they sought. In fact, the documents were prepared by the U.S. government 
for the purpose of this investigation and did not reveal actual meetings, communications, or strategies. This was an egregious attempt by PRC intelligence officers to shield a PRC-based company from accountability and to undermine the integrity of our judicial system. Also earlier today, in the District of New Jersey, an indictment was upsealed charging four individuals, including three PRC intelligence officers, with conspiring to act in the United States as illegal agents on behalf of a foreign government. The indictment alleges that between 2008 and 2018, the defendants used the cover of a purported Chinese academic institute to target, co-opt, and direct individuals in the United States to further the PRC's intelligence mission. Those directives included technology and equipment from the United States and to have it shipped to China. They also included attempts to stop protected First Amendment activities, protests here in the United States, which would have been embarrassing to the Chinese government. So remember we saw the the protester outside of the Chinese consulate in the UK. The, the the Chinese just grabbed them and pulled them in and started beating the shit out of them. And the UK police actually breached the line of the consulate to be able to get the British citizen back on the other side. It was wild. I'm amazed that didn't that didn't spur on some kind of international incident. That, that was wild video. Separately, in the Eastern District of New York, the Justice Department charged seven individuals who were working on behalf of the PRC with engaging in a multi-year campaign of threats and harassment to force a U.S. resident to return to China. Last Thursday, we arrested two of those defendants. Those activities were part of the PRC's global extra-legal effort known as Operation Fox Hunt. Its purpose is to locate and bring back to China alleged fugitives who have fled to foreign countries, including the United States. The PRC has a history of targeting political dissidents and critics of the government who have sought relief and refuge in other countries. The indictment alleges that the defendants working at the direction of the government of the PRC engaged in a campaign of harassment, threats, surveillance, and intimidation aimed at coercing the victim to return to China. We also allege that the defendants threatened and harassed the victim's family members, both in the U.S. and in China. The PRC government forced the victim's nephew to travel from China to the United States to convey the PRC's threats to the victim's son. The defendants threatened the victim, saying that, quote, coming back and turning herself in is the only way out. They showed up at the home of the victim's son in New York. They filed frivolous lawsuits against the victim and his son and said it would be, quote, endless misery for the defendant and son to defend themselves. And they made clear that their slap lawsuits not stop until the victim returned to China. As these cases demonstrate the government of China sought to interfere with the rights and freedoms of individuals. Lord Law, good evening. And to undermine our judicial system that protects those rights. They did not succeed. 
The Justice Department will not tolerate attempts by any foreign power to undermine the rule of law upon which our democracy is based. We will continue to fiercely protect the rights guaranteed to everyone in our country, and we will defend the integrity of our institutions. So there you go. As promised, we get. Shut up, Ari Melber. We're going to talk about Ted Cruz, but not with you. I try. I try to avoid Ari Melber. I don't really. I don't really care for his reporting. Usually, he's, he's throwing in rap lyrics that don't need to be there. I don't want to talk. I don't want to hear about his his opinion on rap music. As he likes Ari. I mean, he's. It's it's the constant talking about rap lyrics. He almost always, like Biggie said, and like, no, dude, you're no, no. Also, Sassy, good evening. So glad to see you. You've been having some weird issues tonight. You might be slightly behind. Hogan old snassy snicks over here. The U.S. cannot ignore the new... And by the... Clinically. Clinically. I agree with you. I am so fucking tired of everything being an ad. And I say this as a content creator. But my God, I use ad blockers. I, I try to, to stay away from commercials as much as possible. They rot your fucking brains. And I try, I try to do them in a way that that fucks over the ads here on the show. Like that's why, like I, tonight's fucked up, so I can't catch them. But I want to give them to you at like five till the hour. They're in one little break. That's all you get of the ads, and we can all go take a tinkle. We can refill our drinks and shit, and then come back. And people that are sub to me, they get they get my my funny my funny ads. And then maybe if I ever do sell ads at some point in time, it will be to my friends. Like if I have friends in bands that want to advertise their new album, I'll put together a spot for them. Like because because I do produce ads, that's one of the things I do like for my day job. It's not hard to go to a friend and be like, hey, do you want to promote your business? Somebody who makes candles, somebody who who has a t-shirt shop. People that you would actually want to, uh, people that you would actually want to uh, uh, patronize, no patronize, patronize, that's it. Oh, the show is called The Beat. Shit. Shit. (laughs) Chainsaw. (laughs) That's that's what I'm into. Like, I, I, I do not want to ever have... Ads that I don't agree with ever on my show. Advertising my friends in their albums, their t-shirt shops, just that kind of thing, for example. Didn't mean to burst my phone. 
we are the assholes now, I guess, because like that's witty. That's witty. I feel bad now. And who am I? Like, I do a new show with a troll head. Who am I to diss on the beat where he also, like, brings it around to rap lyrics all the time? Huh? If you're trying to appeal to a young audience, maybe that's a good thing. But also, like, just like a 40, 40-something-year-old white guy telling me about the rap he used to listen to in the 90s. I think he has had like Killer Mike on and shit, hasn't he? Nerdwa. I like how the captioning had to had to think about what I said and 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 ended up on Gurdwara. <laughs> oh, somebody's telling me to take a hit. I think I gotta pack another bog. I think I'm out. I need to cash this one out. There like might be just a little bit. Oh fucking like the eighties had some of like the best old school rap. A fucking smoky in my lap. What's up, buddy? Good music does transcend skin color. I like I agree with that. Not that I don't listen to fucking rap music. I love rap music. Wu Tang is for the children's. I have a different cat. I only have one cat in here with me right now, and he was just up here. Socrates. Socrates. Fucking, I'm drawing a blank right now. Like a, like a cool Modi. Fucking public enemy. That's the good shit. <laughs> so Lord Locke, I've, I've I've got I've got that a few times. It's it's a funny joke, I guess. <laughs> but like I'd never even seen Bill and Ted until just a couple of years ago. Um, I'm a like, I'm a philosophy. I was a philosophy major in college. <laughs> Socrates was my favorite ancient philosopher. The gadfly who used to annoy motherfuckers at parties. What's not to love about that guy? Tones keeps coming in here and trying to make it rain and like has probably put a hold on his card and shit. I do appreciate the sentiment, though. Hooked a shit ton of people up. Hooked a shit ton of people up last night in Echoplex's chat. 
I was seeing that go down as I was co-hosting. Well, Sassy making it rain. She she really likes the uh, Will Ferrell and Sherry O'Terry gif, and I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Absolutely, the Republican. A lot of people don't uh, realize that Socrates uh, was illiterate and Plato was his student that wrote down all of the adventures of Socrates at parties and all the, all the shit that he did to annoy people. Capitalism. Fuck it. It does seem counterintuitive that they would fuck with you and stop you from spending money. You are appreciated around here, sir. And even making offers to, uh, to, uh, get a little, uh, crazy with me. You live in sexual anarchy. Not saying that I wouldn't be into it. And he would do it in such a way. So he would, uh, it's called the Socratic method, right? It's to like get people to really think about um, their perspective, but do it in a way by questioning them. Like every time they they, they present a, a new situation, you ask, Bob, but what about this situation? And blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> And then you walk them, you want to get them to a certain answer, and then you walk walk them through it, through questions. Uh, Columbo is also (laughs) a good example of the Socratic method at play. All right, (laughs) enough about Socrates. The U.S. cannot ignore the new pink tide in Latin America. The return of leftist governments in the region is a clear indication of region-wide rejection of U.S. policies. Latin America is changing throughout the region, right-wing governments, and we are reading from Al Jazeera, firmly established for almost two decades, have been replaced by socialist and social democratic ones in the last four years. Gustavo Petro, a former member of the 19th of April movement, armed group, was elected president of Colombia in June this year. Gabriel Boric, the most left-wing president of Chile in almost 50 years, won the presidential vote in December of 2021. A month earlier, leftist politician uh, Jamaro Castro, uh, Castro won in Honduras, and I'm probably fucking their name up, 12 years after her husband, Manuel Zelaya, was removed from his post as president in a military coup. In Peru, Pedro Castillo, a teacher and a union leader, won the presidency in June of 2021. And in Bolivia, Luis uh, Arque? Acre? Acre? No, no, I'm totally fucking that up. Arse? No, that would be like Irish. I A R C E. Anybody got a really good guess at how to say that? R K. That's R K. Louis R K. We'll look it up because we like to learn. Give me a phonetical pronunciation. 
Luis Arce. Arce. Luis Arce. Luis Arce of the Movement to Socialism Party was elected president in 2020. That was in Bolivia. In 2019, Alberto Fernandez, supported by a left-leaning coalition of parties, defeated incumbent right-wing president uh, Mercutio Macre in Argentina a year earlier. Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, EMLO, scored a landslide victory in the Mexican general elections. Potentially the most important change will take place on October 30th when left-wing Louis da Silva, leader of the Workers' Party, is hoping for a victory in the Brazilian runoff election. In the first round, Lula won 48% of the vote, with incumbent right-wing President J.R. Bolsonaro coming in 43rd. Louis ass. Louis ass. And hell yeah, looking forward to a Lula presidency. For some observers, this new wave in the continuum of the pink tide of leftist governments that swept into power in the 1990s, the time left-wing leaders condemned neoliberal policies as well as the resulting inequalities and social exclusion, political corruption, and foreign dominance over national economies. In the 2010s, they were voted out of office after a drop in the price of export commodities impeded their ability to resolve deeply rooted inequalities. Leftist governments have now made a comeback because the right-wing government that took over from them, largely supported by the U.S., failed to appreciate the tides of popular frustration. The new generation of regional political leaders rejects the traditional U.S. role in the region, but it also has other interests. It focuses more on environmental and gender issues, is less interested in a continental identity, ardently pursues social justice matters, and in post-COVID times is increasingly concerned with public health. It is not afraid of being seen as harboring leftist ideals. Uh, ideals. Indeed, it seeks to channel the frustration of its electorate into new forms of governance. It is also learning to live with foreign investment, but increasingly from China and not the U.S. Take Chile's, uh, take Chile's uh, Boric, for example. He has tried to maintain good relations with Cuba and Venezuela, but has also condemned human rights abuses in both countries. Hell fucking yeah. Sounds based. At home, he has emphasized the need for constitutional reform to address socioeconomic and political inequalities and strengthen protections for the rights of the indigenous population. He has also embraced feminist policies, appointing women in 14 out of the 24 ministerial positions. In Mexico, too, AMLO, the first left-wing president there in three decades, has pursued divergent policies. He has maintained good relations with Venezuela and Cuba, calling for the end of the trade embargo on Havana, but has he has also kept close ties with the U.S. and has undertaken sweeping changes in Mexico, attacking corruption, condemning human rights abuses, reducing inequality, and protecting workers' rights. Clearly, Latin America is changing, but Washington seems blind to the extent of this change. In 2019, U.S. President Donald Trump's National Security Advisor, John Bolton. Now, that's, that's not fair to even paint the Trump administration by Bolton's, like, six-month stay there. Was it even six months? Bolton declared the return of the 1823 Monroe Doctrine, according to which the U.S. claimed Latin America as its own backyard and warned all foreign powers to stay away. He had, however, clearly misread the continent-wide rejection of his ideas. If you'd like to finish reading this article, which is pretty uplifting, from Al Jazeera, 
I'm going to hit you with it in the comment section. I need to go back to posting uh, the links to the sh uh, like my notes every day on Patreon because I've gotten out of the habit of doing that because I've been so fucking busy. Bernie was on CNN State of the Union. Let's talk about the midterm elections. Let's talk about a hopeful leftist tide somewhat here in this country. Bernie's got some words for Republicans. To focus on the economy, not only on other issues like abortion. And Democrats. Or attacking Republicans. It has been months since you've been repeating this message. The election is 16 days away. How's it going? Are you worried Democrats still have not found the right message on the economy? Well, look, what I think, Jake, is at a time when working families are struggling, having a hard time filling up their gas tanks, uh, paying for food, paying for prescription drugs. We are living in a nation today where the richest people are doing phenomenally well. And one of the reasons for inflation is the incredible level of corporate greed. Check out the profits of the oil companies, the drug companies, the food companies. Their sky-high profits are ripping off the American people. And there are studies out there that estimate that 50% of inflation has to do with corporate greed. So I think what the Democrats have got to say is we are going to stand with working people. We're prepared to take on the drug companies. We're prepared to take on the insurance companies and create an economy that works for all of us. Is the abortion issue important? Yes. But we have also got to focus on the struggles of working people to put food on their table. We saw that with the we saw that with the Charlie Chris debate earlier. Well, I saw that with the Charlie Chris debate earlier. Charlie Chris kept going back to abortion. He would not talk about anything fucking else. He kept going back to it no matter what the question was. Such as Georgia, North Carolina, Nevada. What are you seeing and hearing about energy among Democratic voters right now out there? Well, I am worried about the level of uh, voter turnout among young people and working people who will be voting Democratic. And I think, again, what Democrats have got to do is contrast their economic plan with the Republicans. What are the Republicans talking about? They want to cut Social Security, Medicare and Medicaid at a time when millions of seniors are struggling to pay their bills. Do you think that's what we should be doing? Democrats should take that to them. Repub Democrats want to have Medicaid negotiate prescription drug prices. We pay 10 times more for the same drugs that are sold in Canada. Republicans refuse to do that. So I think what we have got to do is contrast what a strong pro-worker Democratic position is with the corporate agenda of the Republicans. But uh, uh, to play devil's advocate here, if I'm a, a swing voter out there, a young voter, a, a working class voter, I, and I hear your message, I think, but you guys control everything. Democrats control the House and the Senate and the White House. And inflation is really high. And I'm having a tough time making ends meet. Why should I vote for you again? Well, we have half the votes, exactly half the votes in the Senate and a tiny majority uh, in the House. And I think it's important that when we talk... You, you say, unfortunately, but like we are setting record turnout again this midterms. It rivals... It rivals the 2020 presidential election in some areas. So turnout is a, but like the Republicans are also more motivated. So don't count on early voting usually seems to favor Democrats. So like 
it's hard telling what's going to happen. It's hard to feel the mood of the electorate right now. It's hard to... I, I still think it's going to end up some fucked up way where, like, the Democrats barely keep control of the House. Or the Republicans win it by one or two seats. And then the Democrats gain two or three seats in the Senate. It's going to be fucked up. I pretty much, uh, uh, any time I would assume, I don't think does, does you'd have to check with the, the specific state you're in, but I, I, I don't think early voting would end. I have not looked that up. Also curious or welcome. Yeah, I I didn't pick out the clip of Michael or yeah Michael Moore. We can go watch that though if you want to. Republicans will say, "Well, this is Joe Biden's fault." Really? Our inflation rate is much too high. It is eight percent. It is ten percent in the UK, ten percent throughout Europe, seven percent in Canada. Inflation is a global problem caused a by the breaking of supply chains because of the pandemic, by the war in Ukraine, and as I said significant part of inflation has to do with corporate greed. What are the Republicans' response to inflation? What do they want to do? Well, maybe they want to cut wages for workers. Do they want to raise the minimum wage? No, they don't. So I think it's important to take the attack to the Republicans. What do they want to do other than complain? But bottom line is, you cannot cut Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid, which is what they want to do. We have got a lower prescription drug cost, which is not what they want to do. Boy, howdy. I don't know. This might have just been an interview with The Guardian he gave where he made his uh, prediction that the Democrats were going to win. He's confident of a Democratic win. I thought he had said it on some news show somewhere. I thought there was like totally a clip of Michael Moore saying this shit. some kind of comedy event going on featuring featuring Gavin McGinnis apparently Gavin considered himself a comedian a year after Charlottesville a group of proud boys were attending a speech by their former leader at the New York Metropolitan Republican Club protesters greeted them with jeers of Nazi scum as they left we followed them for about a block, and they got into a terrifying street brawl. Oh, wait a minute. This was the last time. This is what happened last time they were in a protest. I'm sorry. I, I this, is, this is the problem of looking at Twitter. You don't, you don't have a grasp on what you're looking at exactly. That was the last time... Uh, the Proud Boys got shut down by protests. They've been shut down again in the last few minutes. So people are, are wondering if they will commit violence. I'm still looking for Michael Moore. We're just off the rails again. You want to talk about music? 
I still have a good show planned. I got all kinds of shit. Well, also, somebody said something about Oz Fetterman being tomorrow. It is not. It is a week from today. Oz Fetterman debate is a week from today. It is next Monday. Do I have a... Uh, is that Merkin? Good evening, Merkin. Good evening. So glad to see you. I haven't been looking at the chat. Oh, I was going to look up the debate. So what else we got? Uh, Michael Bennett and Joe O'Day in the Colorado Senate. Uh, that is Friday, October 28th. That's the night. That's that's this Friday. That's with Media Winch on the Freak Show. Maybe she'll join me for the for the debate as well. Abrams and Kemp on October 30th. Sunday night. Stacey Abrams and Brian Kemp have a second debate. That's all we got left. I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. Oh, where was I at my list? Oh, Nancy Pelosi. Do we have to hear from Nancy Pelosi? She's confident. She is believing the Michael Moore hype. And we are joined now by Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. Good morning, and it's great to have you here at the table. My pleasure. Thank you. Good morning. You have said a lot is going to be determined by turnout, but you've heard our CBS estimates have the Republicans taking the House with 224 seats. How do you shift the momentum? Well, let's just say, uh, first and foremost, good morning. Uh, It's Sunday morning. Uh, 15 days or so before the election. Vote people are already voting. We're very pleased with our early vote for our Owning the Ground initiative. I, uh, it's interesting to me because for a year and a half, the media has been saying, oh, they've got, it's gone. President's party always loses in the off year. And now we're down to the stretch mm-hmm. and we're down to very close races. And we feel very confident. I've been in over 20 states since Uh, Congress adjourned uh, in the last month or so. And uh, I see very clearly that the ownership of the ground is with us. It's about getting out the vote. Everything else is a conversation compared to that. Mm -hmm. But in order to do that, you have to have inspiration. You can't run on empty. And the fact is, is that uh, when I hear people talk about... Please leave. Please leave. I don't believe the rumors. I think she'll die in all of this. Phenomenon. The EU, the European Union, the UK, the British have higher inflation rate than we do here. It's not, the fight is not about inflation. It's about the cost of living. And if you look at what we have done to bring down the cost of prescription drugs, Mm -hmm. to bring down the cost of of energy and the rest in our legislation, you will see that there has been opposed every step of the way by the Republicans, and they have no plan for lowering the cost of living or helping with inflation. Absolutely, inflation is a global problem, and it's hitting a lot of countries very hard. Um, But there is also that question of fiscal spending. Uh, Congressman She looks like she's already been taxidermied. You said the following earlier this week. All of us are concerned about these rising costs, and all of us knew this would be the case. uh, Fiber needs to go to. 
this recovery program. Anytime you put more money uh, into uh, the economy, uh, prices uh, tend to rise. Did you also realize at that time that the congressional spending would add to inflation? Did you see that? Oh, my God. First first of all, government spending does. We had a, uh, a, a pandemic. And that brought down unemployment from 7% to 3.5% now. Uh, it put people back to work, children back in school, inoculations in the arm. And it helped take us through that phase of the pandemic. But let me just say that because of pe- more people working and the rest, the national de- the deficit has been cut in half from 28 to 1.4%. Uh, trillion dollars. That is a big change. So it is, it's, yes, we had to take a step forward to solve the pandemic problem, but we did so in a way that would reduce the national deficit. And that is, cannot be ignored. But on things like sending, you know, those $1,400 checks, putting cash out there, I mean, didn't that end up contributing to inflation? Do you have any regrets about the bills you passed and how you structured them. No, absolutely not, because this that was necessary uh, for people to survive. Our purpose it was, is, was that it was inflationary. The, the, but, it, but the point is, is that when you reduce unemployment, it's inflationary. That is a fact. When I was a new member of Congress, I was told that unemployment was dangerously low in our hearings on inflation and unemployment. Unemployment is dangerously low for what it does to inflation. But the what did I walk is, back into? Is, is that this is about helping America's working families meet their needs, and that was essential to them. Uh, less inflationary than a $2 trillion tax cut for the high end that the Republicans gave, and we're still paying a price for $2 trillion, 83% of the benefits going to the top 1%. So we feel proud of what we've done. We feel proud of the Mm -hmm. president uh, to help America's working families to lower their cost and in doing so to reduce the deficit. Well, on the issues that voters tell CBS News are important to them, abortion ranks number seven up top. Did she just complain about the unemployment rate being lower? Did I just misread that? To believe that the momentum from striking down Roe versus Wade was going to help Democrats. Uh, Why not talk more about these issues around the economy? Well, I can just say this. Uh, Nobody ever. The elections are about the future. They're about uh, the economy. Then why the fuck are you still in government? We're doing uh, abortion rather than economy, but it's it's about both. And I can tell you that that issue is very, very uh, provocative and and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, encouraging people to vote across the country, having just been there, not sitting in Washington, but while going around the country. But I would say this. 24% of likely voters, according to our... I am so done with Nancy Pelosi. That's a a good number. But you need them to win, right? That's a good number. (laughs) Let me say this. Here's what happened. Let's just talk about what this comes down to. In these races and why I'm And it's it's not the age. It's not the age. Bernie is older than she is. But Bernie is well-spoken and can get a point across and is not not stumbling to defend their position or even make a point. This has been 
And yeah, exactly. She's in the government for insider trading. She is blocked. She has blocked legislation to prevent insider trading. It's all... If you follow her husband and his stock trades and do what he does, you win like 75% of the time. And like, that's it. That's, that's, that's only if you have inside information. You know, Tones, you could be... She is trying to dissuade young voters. But I'm not ageist because Bernie was just fine. Bernie was older. We just heard from Bernie and he was well-spoken. Well put together. Got a point across. She should not... She has no business being on TV. She has... And the, the ice cream thing a couple years ago was absolutely tone deaf. A close race. Follow her husband, but only in the markets, not on the highway. Sound advice. Mocks. But that's what they are, and it's a big change from what the media was, media thread of, oh, they can't possibly win. No, we can possibly win. But here's the thing. In these districts, the district, the Republicans have said that if they win, they want to subject Medicare, Social Security uh, held blackmail to the, lifting the debt ceiling. Uh, they have said they would like to review uh, Medicare and Social Security every five years. They have said that they would been like painful to, to watch a, a discretionary spending that Congress could decide to do it or not rather mm-hmm. than mandatory. So Social Security and Medicare are on the line. A woman's right to choose is on the line. The planet is on the line. Issues that relate to uh, prescription drugs. Yes. For years, we've been trying to get the, the secretary to negotiate for lower prices. We couldn't get it done until we had the Democratic president and a a strong majority and enough in the Congress uh, to get it done. I want to ask you about that, the future and the new Congress, potentially. Um, You told Andrea Mitchell earlier this week, we need generational change, but in some cases there's no substitute. It's such a low bar, Mox. Will you remain in leadership? In the new Congress. I'm not talking about that. I'm here to talk about how we win the election. But to deliver uh, on I, all I was these only things. Paying, I was only paying Andrea a compliment for all the experience that she has. I see. The, but the fact is, we so, need to... So you may or you may not. She's running for re-election, so I would assume she wants to be in Democratic leadership. America's working families for the children. But she wants to talk about the future. The mm-hmm. And the point is this, that the... Mm-hmm. Um, these issues, if you're a senior, you have a lot at risk. Yes. If you're a childbearing age woman, you have a lot at risk if your family does. If you care, if you care about the planet, you have a lot at risk. They said it's a hoax. When we had the debate right. on our funding for uh, uh, addressing the climate crisis, not one Republican vote. When okay. we talked about, so what we need to go forward with is more that we had in our agenda, and child care, child okay. tax credit, uh, issues like that. Not- uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's the child tax credit at? That was a good thing when it happened. That's been gone, what, a year and a half now? It was a great thing while it happened. A former aide to Donald Trump says that if he were to testify, which he has been subpoenaed to do, I'm sorry, I gotta hit you with more Jake Tapper. If Trump were to testify, which we all hope he will, and apparently the rumor is that he is leaning towards it, 
Trump's aide says, Trump's former aide says that he would perjure himself five ways to Sunday. Let's talk about this with our panel. So on Friday, the January 6th committee Good night, Mandy. officially subpoenaed Donald Trump to testify and produce documents for their investigation, saying he was, quote, at the center of the first and only effort by any U.S. president to overturn an election. So does he testify? Yeah, listen, I can tell you all those statements that he made, he, he actually wanted to go and, and participate. And I know at the advice of counsel, <laughs> the White House counsel and everyone working on those uh, impeachments and all, and all those different investigations basically chained in the desk, wouldn't let him go. Um, he is not encumbered by those people this time. Right. They are not working for him. And so I think there is nothing more that he'd like to do than go to the January 6th committee and testify. It'd be the best TV you'd see. Stay tuned. But but I have to say, wh- I I agree. Told him not to testify previously because they know he'll say crazy. That's why. I mean, let's be honest. Like, this, I mean, that's the thing. I'm watching that. I can imagine being a staffer watching him say, "I'd love to. I'd love to." Thinking, "Thank God it'll never happen." Because I mean, look at what he's already done earlier this year. Plead the fifth. Plead the fifth. Plead the fifth. He's not going to answer questions. Having staffed him through some... I was just thinking, like, this was useless, me playing Swan. this. We all remember that interview around COVID. I could, I could have done all this commentary. He would be under oath, presumably. He would, he would inevitably perjure himself five ways to Sunday if... Let, let's talk about this with our panel. So on Friday, the January 6th... There's, there's your clip. We don't have to suffer through too much of it. Political operatives are like herpes. That's a very apt comparison. Do you know where you might get herpes if you got some prison rape going on? If you were prison raped, you might be at risk for herpes. Trump on the Supreme Court leaguers said that they should be prison raped. In this country, they leak all over the place, even on the Supreme Court. By the way, you have to find the leaker of the Supreme Court. You have to find the leaker. You know how you find the leaker? They'll say, oh, this is treasonous, what I said. So they can't find the leaker. He leaked all about Roe v. Wade. Look, uh, this person leaked from the Supreme Court. Leaked happened. all over it. Pissed, pissed all over everything. You take the writer, because you're never going to find it. They're going through phone records. It's been a long time. You take the writer and or the publisher of the paper, a certain paper that you know, and you say, who is the leaker? National security. And they say, we're not going to tell you. They say, it's okay, you're going to jail. And when this person realizes that he is going to be the bride of another prisoner very shortly, he will say, I'd very much like to uh, tell you exactly who that leaker It was Bill Jones. I swear he's a leaker. And we got him. But they don't want to do He's that. He's a leaker. Do that. But that's the only way you're going to find. We have to find. Can you imagine they leak? I, well, <laughs> He's he's confused. He doesn't understand why classified documents being leaked is different than, you know, a Supreme Court opinion being leaked. But <laughs> I'm I'm kind of like this wasn't as good as I, I was hoping for. You read the headlines, man, like they're all talking about prison rape. Now I thought that was gonna be awful graphic. He just said prison wife. Why you why you gotta play it up like that? Why you gotta clickbait me? Maybe I do need to watch this shit before I play it on the show. I'm so let down. I'm so let down. I could have re- I guess I could have read the transcript. Oh. <sighs> 
Alan Weisselberg is set to be the star witness against the Trump Organization. Former longtime Trump Organization CFO Alan Weisselberg expected to be star witnesses in the company's tax fraud trial. Veteran, former chief financial officer of the Trump Organization, expected to be the star witness in the upcoming criminal tax fraud. Uh, the upcoming criminal tax fraud trial against the company. Yeah, prison life does sound consensual. You're right, Mox. <laughs> We're parsing the meaning of of the insults of Donald Trump. Alan Weisselberg, 75, who worked for the company for decades, will be called to testify about the former president, Donald Trump's businesses. Business. Complex jury selection for the trial will begin on Monday in Manhattan. Potential jurors will be grilled on their opinion of Trump and if it impedes their ability to fairly evaluate the evidence. Prosecutors allege that the company engaged in a tax fraud scheme by compensating senior executives with perks like apartments and company cars under Weisselberg's supervision. Trump is not personally charged. Weisselberg, who has long been one of Trump's most loyal deputies, pleaded guilty in August to 15 felony uh, felony counts, including a scheme to defraud conspiracy, grand larceny, and criminal tax fraud in exchange for a maximum five-month jail sentence, which is a sweet fucking deal. Under the police conditions, Weisselberg, a loyal 40-year bookkeeper for Trump and his family, agreed to testify in the upcoming trial. Well, that'll be interesting. Jury selection begins Monday. Remember when we watched the Utah debate, which has got, like, of all the debates I put up on YouTube, okay, we've get- a lot of them get, like, you know, more views afterwards. People go back and watch those debates. And, like, they're, they're some of my more popular content. You, most of them get watched 60, 70, 80 times in that range. Some of them, some of them 300, 400. I think one broke a thousand. The Utah debate between Mike Lee and uh, the independent Evan McMullen got five views. Went up at the same time as all the other debates. There's nothing different about it. Same kind of thumbnail and everything. Five views. Nobody gives a shit about Utah. But here is Mike Lee, who had a hand in January 6th being confronted by a Fox News host, apparently, about his role in the fake elector plot. To a lot of big issues, the economy, abortion, others. But first, I want to talk about your race. Um, Your opponent, by the way, been invited to join us here on Fox News Sunday, says that you betrayed your oath to the Constitution with regard to the 2020 election. Here's what he said right after that debate you guys had a few days ago. Lee actively helped plan the effort to recruit fake electors and to overturn our election in American democracy. No one need take my word for it. It's a matter of public record, and he can dispute that as much as he wants, but the truth we is... all saw it. Here are some of the texts that he cites between you and then White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, December 8th. If a very small handful of states were to have their legislatures appoint alternative slates of delegates, there could be a path. January 4th, I've been spending 14 hours a day for the last week trying to unravel this for him. That same day, I've been calling state legislators for hours and am going to spend hours doing the same today. I'm trying to figure out a path that I can persuasively defend. Evan McMullen says the texts speak for themselves. How do you explain them? 
that, look, there's not a scintilla of truth to what he's suggesting there. The fact is there were rumors circulating in the days and weeks leading up to January 6th, rumors suggesting that some states would be shifting out their slates of electors. Now, as a U.S. senator, it was my job to open and count the electoral votes on January 6th. And we were trying to narrow down what was truth and what was fiction. I made phone calls to investigate the truthfulness of those rumors. That's all. Not advocating, just investigating the truthfulness of them. That is is not what we just read in your text messages. I concluded after my investigation that the rumors were false. And on that basis, I voted to certify the results of the 2020 presidential election. So when you're saying I'm looking for a path forward with the state's electors or with state legislators, that path forward would suggest that you were at some point on board with the idea. The the point here was that there was the there was only one path and that that path I was trying to get the White House and the president's team to acknowledge that was the only path. If a state concluded that it had incorrectly certified the results of its election and on that basis shifted out its slates of electors, that would be the only way of doing it. Now, I didn't believe they were going to do it. And my own investigation uh, played that out. Uh, my point there was to say we've got to figure out whether this is the case. And I wanted the president no. to acknowledge that that would be the only scenario in which there would be any role for Congress. There wasn't. And on that, that basis, is not what your text message okay, just said. So we just saw it. Oh, no, no, Bob Woodward. My God, no. What is up with YouTube all only like taking two seconds to autoplay? At a QAnon conference, which I watched a good portion of with producer Dave last night, one of the speakers said the angel of death is coming for Lindsey Graham, and we can only hope. The angel of death is coming to visit these people. These people are going down. These people who control the world think that they are pharaohs. The present day pharaohs. Soon you shall never see. Wait, well, it's not just Lindsey Graham, but it's interesting that Lindsey Graham is on that that chart. Chris Wallace, the Fox News host, or former Fox News host, is now on what, CNN? He's on here. Brian Kemp, Brad Raffensperger, Gavin Newsom, Michelle Obama. Barack Obama is not on here. Michelle Obama is. I believe that's Gavin Newsom. Uh, Is that Kathy Holchel in New York? Chris Matthews, who got fired like three years ago from MSNBC. Bill Clinton. That's John Roberts. That's Justice John Roberts. Yes, Justin Trudeau's there. Hillary Clinton. Ilhan Omar. Jerry Nadler, Rachel Maddow, George Soros, of course. Of course, George Soros is on here. Uh, That's Maxine Waters, Congresswoman Maxine Waters. That is uh, Chucky Schumer boy. And that's uh, that's that CNN host that they all fucking hate. Brian Stelzer. The one that fucking Alex Jones went nuts about. Bill Gates is on here. I I think I've named them all now. What a wild list. Well, I don't know who... Is that Eric Adams? I think that's Eric Adams, the New York mayor. 
I think I named everybody on the list. Again, this is... Angel death is coming for him. ...wealth transfer in human history. Gold and silver are going to explode in value, giving wealth to the church, to you, so that you can prosper all those around you because everything when God's kingdom comes in abundance and overflow. All debts, who has credit cards, mortgages, student loans, they will be canceled. Zachary talks about will be canceled. Okay, okay, so 1024 is supposed to be Black Monday with a question mark. That was today. Did something happen? Were they talking about the stock market? Because let me tell you, the stock market is up today. <laughs> they, is that what they mean by Black Monday? Or are they saying like, uh, like the, the, like the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse are going to ride through the sky or some shit? Stocks continue to sizzle this month. Stocks soar to kick off key earnings week. Was there supposed to be a, a market crash? Yeah, that's what debt cancellation. I'm down with that. But then Trump return on eleven twenty four. Why eleven twenty four? Is that Thanksgiving? <laughs> Zechariah 1 talks about Thanksgiving. We are days away from Thanksgiving. What is Thanksgiving? Galatians 6 Yum. talks about it. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever I don't know about thought, days. We're about a month away. He reap those who have planted evil seeds. They are about to get evil upon their own heads. Those who have planted good seeds are about to be blessed beyond measure. We are here. Dark. We're going to go dark. And when the lights come on, worldwide celebrations are coming. We are going to see the return. This year, 45 comes back. Not by his will, but by God's will. God's will shall be done. God gets all the glory. That is batshit fucking crazy. Yeah, uh, producer Dave didn't show me that part of the conference. <laughs> producer Dave had a conversation with DM last night. Gave him about 20 minutes, and then he's like, I'm going back to the QAnon conference. The Supreme Court, by Justice Thomas, singularly, has stayed the order requiring Senator Lindsey Graham to be questioned by a grand jury to submit himself to grand jury and questioning. And this is about the Fulton County investigation, of course. And now Justice Thomas has stayed that until the Supreme Court consider whether to block it for a longer term. So Lindsey Graham at least has an immediate delay, let's say, in his having to testify. He had argued that bullshit conversations about the election were in were part of his duty as a senator rather than something that should subject him to questioning. Right. So I think what Senator Graham was referring to was Article 1, Section 6 of the Constitution, which contains the speech uh, or debate clause. And it holds basically, Andrea, as I know you know, uh, that members of the House and Senate can't be questioned in other places, meaning in the courts, essentially. 
uh, for um, issues related to their legislative work. Now, the, the federal district court judge who looked at this issue, I think, got it right. Um, what uh, that judge said was that there are certain things that uh, Senator Graham could testify about because they were in no way related to his legislative work. And there are some things that perhaps yeah, related to the crime he committed speech and debate clause immunity. Now, uh, if if Justice Thomas has stayed this temporarily so the entire Supreme Court can consider whether or not to c- consider it, we shall see to be determined. Uh, but for now, it looks like it will be delayed further. Unfortunately, this is not the decision the other courts had come to. They all said he needed to testify, so I was hoping that the Supreme Court just wouldn't take the case, but of course, it's Clarence Thomas. Fuck Clarence Thomas. Gary Lake, the Arizona gubernatorial candidate who is batshit fucking crazy, suggests that early voting be restricted in Arizona and keeps repeating the same lies about the election. No candidate has been more forceful in spreading Donald Trump's lies about the election than the Arizona Republican candidate for governor, Carrie Lake. When I sat down with her earlier this week, we talked about her campaign and some of her policy proposals. That interview aired on GMA3 on Friday. When Lake brought up false claims about election fraud, the conversation turned to 2020. Here is that part of the interview. As governor, would you seek to change the election laws? And specifically, would you look to limit early voting and mail-in voting in Arizona? I don't know exactly how we'll do it, but we will secure our elections, restore faith in our elections, make sure our elections are honest and transparent. I assume when you said secure, I was, I was worried about the next words that were going to come out. Everybody wants that, but specifically early voting and mail-in voting, which you've been very critical of. Would you seek to limit it? I think, you know, going going back to when I first started voting back in the 80s, we had election day. Our Constitution says election day. It doesn't say election season, election month. And the longer you drag that out, the more fraught with problems there are. We just saw problems this week. What? My opponent, she just put out, sent out 6,000 ballots that went the wrong type of ballots to the wrong people. Right, they only had the federal, but but she she was the one that pointed this out and well, says I don't care if she pointed but, out. But earlier this week, Lake's opponent, Katie Hobbs, who also serves as the current Secretary of State, announced that 6,000 ballots printed with only federal races were incorrectly sent to voters. Corrected ballots are now being mailed out. My question is whether or not you would limit mail-in voting, limit early voting, uh, given that so many people in the state, it's like 90 percent, uh, vote early in the state or use early ballots. We want to shore up our elections so they are very honest, and every voter knows that it's an honest system. Let me just give you a couple facts. Yeah. 2,000 mail-in ballots were accepted by Maricopa County after Election Day in 2020, after Election Day. That was a new one on us. But they were... We took the claim to election officials in Maricopa County. I would assume they had been postmarked and they were just counted who told us it's just not true. In fact, no ballots were accepted after the election day, 7 p.m. deadline. Some ballots were scanned the next warning, giving them a timestamp after election day. But again, those ballots were turned in on election day by the deadline. Lake offered other unsubstantiated and disproven claims. Arizona's 2020 election was the most scrutinized in the state's history, and there is no evidence of widespread fraud. A comprehensive investigation by Maricopa County found, quote, 
100 potentially questionable ballots cast out of 2.1 million. Hardly enough to change the results. 100. We're going to talk more than about Potentially that. questionable. I sat here today to talk about my policies. Well, we've been talking about a whole bunch of other things besides elections, but, but since you but brought up... But I find up, it funny since, since you brought up... I didn't ask about 2020. I, I just asked uh, I do find it funny that the media thinks I'm, I'm only talking about elections. I'm talking about a lot of things. But, but, but let's be completely clear. You actually brought it up, not me. I asked you about uh, about the rules and about early voting and if you would change the rules. I, di- I didn't ask you about 2020. And I want you, to you explain to you why mail-in ballots can be fraught with error. Why it is that you have not said, or maybe you'll do it now, you have not said that you will accept the certified results of this election even if you lose. This I, election. I will accept the results of this election if we have a fair, honest, and transparent election. Absolutely 100%. So, so if... if, if if you were to lose and you're ahead, but but if you were to lose and you went out and you had all your appeals, they went through. As long as it's fair, honest, and transparent. And certified. I mean, who's going to determine that? Are you going to determine that, or or what, well, if it it's a like certified? Looks like my opponent might have to determine that. Well, that's she is the secretary. That's she an interesting conundrum, isn't it? You said something last week. You said that there were 740,000 ballots with no chain of custody. Those ballots shouldn't have been counted. Are you really saying that you would throw out the ballots of 740? No, no, three quarters I, of a million Arizonans? I mean, those were 740,000 ballots. ballots violated chain of custody requirements in Maricopa County. In Mar- I mean, first of all, it, it's it's not true. I mean, the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors put out a 98-page report okay. that went that through these allegations. Fact. That is a fact. Check your facts. We took that claim to Maricopa County officials who refuted Lake and pointed to the statement they issued back in May, saying that the county <laughs> always had control of the ballots, adding they, quote, were sealed in envelopes and secured in boxes that bipartisan couriers are prohibited from opening. But just to be clear, the Republicans on the Board of Supervisor, the Republican governor, now the Republican candidate for Senate running along with you, uh, the Republican Attorney General under under Donald Trump, Bill Barr, all said that there that there wasn't, you know, that, that the election was was not stolen. Are we going to sit and litigate this? No, I'm happy to do it. I'm I'm just wondering why they would all lie. You guys are obsessed. We have a lot of corruption in this system, and they don't want... I think a lot of people who were responsible Uh. for that election know that there were rules broken and laws broken, and they don't want to admit faults, okay? And that's fine. We're going to go forward, and we're going to make sure going forward our elections are secure. (laughs) They are secure. This one was secure. That's the point. Ma'am, that's the point. Uh, but the really worrisome thing is that armed men have been watching over ballot drop boxes in Arizona. This is obviously totally incompatible with liberal democracy and an open society, said one commentator. This is, We're reading from Salon. It was published yesterday. Video footage released on Friday showing armed individuals sitting near a ballot drop box in Mesa, Arizona is heightening alarm over right-wing intimidation efforts as early voting kicks off across the United States. The Maricopa County Sheriff's Office told a local ABC affiliate that it is investigating several individuals who were watching a Mesa voting location on Friday. The department confirmed that two individuals at the site were armed. We do indeed have the video somewhere here. absolutely going to pull the Trump if she loses. 
They're already pulling a Trump. So this is security footage of an alleged voter intimidation at Mesa Dropbox. Full tw- video is 20 minutes long. We've edited it and blurred the voter. There's no audio on the original video, but voter claims he was photographed and accused of being a mule. Let's see if we got the local news hit on this. Video shared with ABC 15 that shows the moment a voter drives up to this Dropbox location outside the Mesa Juvenile Justice Court. There's no audio, but a complaint has been filed about the alleged intimidation. After this man drops off his ballot, you see him stand there as it appears he exchanges words with people just out of frame. Moments later, after the voter leaves, the video shows headlights from another car move. Then a number of people walk into frame and set up lawn chairs in another part of the parking lot. The complaint by the voter filed with local election officials states there's a group of people hanging out near the ballot drop box filming and photographing my wife and I as we approach the drop box and accusing us of being a mule. Person picking up ballots and running them. Of course, it's a stupid ass fucking movie. Accusation of being a mule, referring to the 2000 Mules movie that makes unfounded claims that there was a coordinated effort across the country to harvest tens of thousands of ballots for Joe Biden. The voter intimidation complaint goes on to say that the group watching took photographs of them and their license plate and then followed the man and his wife out of the parking lot. Voter intimidation is illegal. Secretary of State Katie Hobbs and her office received the complaint from Maricopa County officials. We asked her if she knows who the group was targeting this early voter. We're not aware of who was involved and these are all things that hopefully will be um, uh, found in the investigation. Back outside the Mesa drop box on Thursday, we didn't see anyone watching or recording around lunchtime, but we met a man willing to speak with us about if people were confronting him. It doesn't bother me, so I already make my decisions, so whatever they do doesn't bother me. With the election less than three weeks away, Secretary Hobbs... That was meaningless. Why'd you talk to that dude? We've been preparing for this kind of activity based on on, um, you know, things that have come to our attention about groups that are planning these type of uh, quote-unquote watch parties or tailgate parties. Now, the Department of Justice, they confirm they have received the referral, uh, but they have no further comment at this time. Do we know of any other issues happening right now? So no other complaints that we know of yet, but I was at a drop box in downtown Phoenix uh, just yesterday where this group of people were outside for several hours. They say they are oh, with God. Elections USA. The founder posting on social media that they had nothing to do with Monday's incident. According to their website, they recruit people to watch drop boxes to detect fraud. Arizona's Clean Elections Commission, which is a nonpartisan voter voter information group, that is, is concerned that voters may mistake the groups with similar names. So now they're seeking legal uh, guidance from the AG. I was thinking the same thing, Mox. They say they're not. For those of you listening to the podcast, there are three women on camera and. (sighs) Mox's comment was diverse group. And. um, 
Even down to the clothing. They're like just different shades of red. Different shades of pink. This one's kind of like a fuchsia. This is like a pink and this is a red. Of course, it, I, I do not like the idea of people outside of drop boxes. Uh, there's also been reports of people challenging votes in Georgia. I was trying to find a story and could not find a good one from a reputable source. So we might cover that later. Lauren Bobert said something stupid. As a, when I was billboarding this earlier in the show... I said I must. I got really lazy with. Uh, I think I was running out of time. That's what it was. I got really lazy with my uh, description of what these stories were, and it just says Bobert's Biden comment. I have no clue what she said. No idea if it's stupid or not. Uh, under this, we have Tucker not happy. What's Tucker not happy about? I don't know. <laughs> Tucker not happy. <laughs> Shocker mad, Shocker real mad. Flash <laughs> uh. with the United States Coast Guard, who was thanked by President Biden. President Biden. Wait, what? She 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 said President Biden and then said it was a Freudian slip. Ma'am, 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 ma'am. That's not what that means. That's not what the word means. What do you think Freudian slip means? If it was somehow relating to your obsession with one of your your parents' genitals or something, then it's a Freudian slip. <laughs> Tucker not happy. Tucker not happy every night. She's she's on a podium that says Rothschild. Isn't that one of their conspiracy theories? I think the Rothschilds like run everything. Is Rothschild different than Rothschilds? It's not a Freudian slip to call the president the president. Officer Lash with the United States Coast Guard, who was thanked by President Biden. President Biden. Officer Lash with the United States Coast Guard, who was that balloon column is living in sexual anarchy. You live in sexual anarchy? I mean, anything's a dildo if you try, and that has got that kind of uh, got that kind of shape to it. Mike Rowe said some shit on uh, Brian Kilmeade's podcast about the economy. Hear what Mike Rowe, who knows nothing. Who is a theater kid? Mike Rowe, the host of Dirty Jobs, has a degree in theater.
Just, just, just throwing that out there. I, I, I love to point that out to people. I, who enjoy listening to Kill Me the podcast? Are there people that listen to this other than like us for this kind of content? If if this election reinforces the whole gender fluidity, if it reinforces uh, the whole socialist expending, if it reinforces the work for, the workforce participation being at sixty two percent, which is a historic low, which is going to keep on talking about unemployment, which if if this election reinforces the Why whole start over? fluidity, if it reinforces uh, the whole socialist expending, if if this election <laughs> reinforces... This is a, it's, having a, it's a two-minute clip, guys. I swear Mike Rowe is in this. Reinforces uh, the whole socialist expending... If it reinforces the work for the workforce participation being at sixty two percent, which is a historic low, which is going to keep on talking about unemployment, which drives you nuts, I know, because mm-hmm. unemployment's very low, but you don't think it no. really even matters Doesn't today. Matter. Then I think the ripple effect will be bad. He's got a good voice. But if it does if there is a tsunami the other way, maybe the other party will correct. You're basically saying the bad news is the good news because ultimately we have to get through it, right? As Churchill said, when you're when you're going through hell, keep going. It has to it has to go splat. Now, what does splat look like? I'm not. Yeah, because I'm sure that Mike Rowe is going through hell right now. With regard to that workforce participation rate, that to me is the most chilling metric of all. It's more chilling than the latest report card because it it's an indication of what's to come. Now, Nick Eberstadt, who was just on my podcast, and you should have him on your show, wrote a book a few years ago called Men Without Work. He's just put it out again because what's happened post-pandemic is unprecedented. Seven the band was men without hats. men between the ages of 25 and 54. Are- if, if this election... It did it again. Fuck it. You're done. Gen- you get no other chances. Well, here's the thing is like Mike Rowe is the perfect person to have a podcast because that voice, like I could listen to that. Too bad it's fucking stupid. Too bad the things he says are stupid. He he could have been an Anthony Bourdain-like figure and been based and took up for, for working class people, but he's not. He's a fucking shill. I wish, uh, yeah, it's because Fox News, uh, the the Fox News, if I can't get it on YouTube, if it's a Fox News clip, Fox News' fucking player doesn't work for me, so that's why I use the the Microsoft version. (laughs) Sir? (laughs) Tucker Carlson lashes out at a GOP campaign chief in irate private call. Do we get to hear a private call? Yay. This was this was the story. Tucker Tucker not happy, is that what I said? <laughs> Tucker mad. Tucker real mad. Tucker not happy. Tucker not happy. Irate Tucker Carlson. Phone representative Tom Am- Am- Ammer. 
He is the representative from Minnesota, apparently. I've never heard of the motherfucker. The chairman of the House Republican Campaign Committee with an ultimatum on Friday. Either reveal which staff member took a swipe at Carlson's son, a Capitol Hill aide, in an article about internal House GOP politicking, or the Fox host would assume Emmer himself was to blame for the quote. My God, Tucker is such a bully. Oh, this is this is a whole lot of drama here. I just want I want the I want the the voicemail, please. The inside drama illuminates the high stakes division and power jockeying already underway as the GOP seeks to retake power. Emmer also now founds himself under attack from two MAGA celebrities, Donald Trump Jr. and Marjorie Taylor Greene. Sources of the Fox News host Anger was a Daily Beast article published early Friday detailing the already vicious backroom jousting over leadership slots in a potential House Republican majority. Representative Jim Banks, who employs Carlson's son, Buckley Carlson, 25, is a communications director, is expected, of course, of course, Buckley Carlson expected to face off against Emmer for House Republican Whip, which would be the majority party's number three leadership position. The Daily Beast quoted an anonymous GOP strategist as saying of Banks, deep down he dies to be liked by the establishment. He hires Tucker Carlson's son, a 24-year-old kid, to be his communications director. Sounds like some nepotism. According to four sources briefed on their Friday morning phone call, Carlson told Emmer he needed to name the staffer who brought up Buckley Carlson, or Carlson would have no other choice but to blame Emmer himself. In an effort to pacify Carlson, Emmer worked to distance his office from the quote and even to shift blame to another member of leadership staff, according to two sources familiar with his private comments. Carlson does not believe this and still blames Emmer for the story. I want like I wanted audio. Maybe there wasn't audio. Maybe I, I just misread the headline. And yeah, it doesn't say leaked anywhere. Man, Tucker Carlson really exercising power inside the Republican Party. You know who can't exercise power inside the Republican Party? Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz was on The View this morning. The View was forced to a commercial after protesters in the audience shout down Ted Cruz. And the biggest reason people at home are saying, okay, is my life better today than it was two years ago? And I think for the vast majority of Americans, the answer is no. Those ain't those, but a whole clip. Oh, cut to commercial. Oh, it wasn't. It wasn't that bad. In inflation in the United States. Okay. One cause and one cause only, and that is when the federal government spends too much money. Okay. We have seen trillions and trillions of dollars 
spent by Joe Biden and the Democrats. Just last year, last year, the federal government took in $4 trillion in tax revenues, most money in history we've ever taken in. The problem is we spent nearly $7 trillion, and that's what we do cover climate here, guys. We do cover climate. Ladies, ladies. Who are these, the climate protesters? Let us do our job. We hear what you have to say, but you got to go. It kicked him out. The hosts apologize to Cruz. Retake both houses, and the biggest reason people at home are saying, "Okay, is my life better today than it was?" I don't think Republicans are going to take both houses. Ain't no way in hell. Let's go to Alex Jones, who just had a big old bowl of chili. I, I'm behind the climate protesters. Interrupt shit. I, is this the same group that's been doing all the throwing soup at paintings and, uh, uh, gluing their hands to shit? Some of, some of these protests are stupid. Like, uh, like, that one celebrity dude who's like, he's good in like half the shit he's in. But he like glued himself to a Starbucks because he wanted like an oat milk alternative or some shit. Or no, it was they were charging more for oat milk. And it's like, well, yeah, dumb shit. It's going to cost more. You fucking idiot. <laughs> Of all this shit to to get upset about. Alex Jones claims the CIA told him Obama was a secret fan. In in the last two years of Obama's administration, and not bragging, human intelligence, you know, it's it's all over the place. They sent a high-level CIA guy to meet with me. He said, listen, Obama likes you. He cares about you. Just stop attacking him. Come on board. Come to us, you know, to New York. Also, I had the Rothkop, uh, the head of the Kissinger Group, reach out in front of my crew and say the same thing. I know they've done it to you, Jack. They do it to everybody. They try to absorb everybody. But but, but exactly. But but it's not about me. I just want folks to understand, you asked the Elon Musk question. Right. That I can't say everything at this point. But when you actually get told directly by these people, and I'll leave it at that, when you directly have dinner with these people, and I'm not going to say Elon Musk, but I'll just leave it at that, and they tell you to your face, no, no, we know you're right. And we actually want a pro-human future. If people want brain chips, we're going to sell it to them. That's free market, right, Alex? I'm like, yeah, people want it. They're an adult. Get it. Great. We're libertarians. We want to just do whatever. But we do not want communism. We do not like monopolies. We do not like the CCP. Are you on board? And I'm just like, wow, this is the next level of this. So I, I don't – I'm not getting orders from anybody. I'm not getting directives from anybody. I have just had a lot of these high-level people in the last two years reach out. They started with that meeting two years ago and then since then saying, watch what we do. You'll believe us once we do it. And I got to say, I don't see how it helps the old entrenched globalists. (laughs) I. That was wild. Yeah, that's usually a red flag. Alex Jones fans and Jordan Peterson fans. Those are two red flags right there.
He did claim that uh, Obama smelled like sulfur. He brought up Elon Musk, so let's talk about Elon Musk. I try to talk about him as little as possible, but this one is one of those things where, like, good. Elon Musk's fortune has fallen by $110 billion in less than a year. But he's still the world's richest person. Yeah, Andrew Tate. Add Andrew Tate to the list. Those are, are three gigantic red flags. Elon Musk, add a fourth one to the list. Elon Musk has had more than $110 billion wiped off of his fortune by the steep decline in Tesla's share price this year, more than Google co-founder Sergey Brin's entire $107 billion net worth. Musk's riches peaked at just over $320 billion in November of last year, but Forbes has estimated this week that his net worth, which is largely linked to Tesla's stock, is now at $209 billion. Tesla has fallen 46% since January and closed on Friday at $214, valuing the company at, two, or at $672 billion. It hit the trillion-dollar mark in October of last year. After selling some shares in the electric car maker earlier this year, Musk now holds 155 million Tesla shares or a stake of just under 15%. Tesla and SpaceX CEO's fortune has fallen by 35% in less than a year and is down by $28 billion this month alone. But he remains the world's richest person. Despite his wealth taking a hit, Musk is $80 billion better off than Bill Gates and $71 billion ahead of Jeff Bezos. Speaking of Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk says this person on Twitter over here made a good point about Jeff Bezos buying the Washington Post. The richest man in the world thinks people are being too critical of his deal to buy a major social media platform used by hundreds of millions. In a Twitter exchange on Saturday, Elon Musk agreed with a follower who said Musk's deal to buy Twitter is getting far more negative attention than fellow billionaire and Amazon founder Jeff Bezos' purchase of the Washington Post several years ago. Bezos bought the newspaper for $250 million in 2013. Uh, I do believe the Washington Post was on its way on the down and out in 2013, one could say. It had lost a lot of its relevance, and I do believe a lot of people on the left did say shit about Jeff Bezos buying the Washington Post. And there have been pieces made about the negative effects Clinically, I mean, that's a pretty good idea. There's a a Trevor Moore song. You haven't heard it. It's called, It's Time for Guillotines. It's time to raise the boards. Not a single person wringing their hands about Elon Musk buying Twitter has ever had a problem with Jeff Bezos owning the Washington Post. Said Michael Malice. I have had my run-ins with Michael Malice. I used to troll Michael Malice back when I was on Twitter. Elon Musk responded with good point.
Fuck off, Elon. I hope, like, kids don't go as Elon for Halloween. It'd make me sad. Mamas, don't let your babies dress up like Elon for Halloween. Please. After volunteering at a food bank, I'll never give out candy on Halloween again. Instead, I'm giving trick-or-treaters something better. Now, I have never had the opportunity to give out treats to children because, like, I've just never lived anywhere where children, you know, it's always lived in apartment complexes and shit. Children don't, the children's don't come to the, the, the freaky guy in the apartment complex for, for the candy. But perhaps you live in an area where you get some trick-or-treaters, and I just wanted to, to point this out. After volunteering at a food bank, I saw how much candy goes to waste after Halloween. Food banks and clients of them need more nutritious and substance, substance, substantial foods. Now I hand out chips and crackers, which are fun treats with more substance and nutritional value. The food bank volunteer I saw on an almost constant parade of people dropping off bags of unwanted trick-or-treat candy in the days after Halloween. We only had enough space for two milk crates worth of candy, so most of the donations went straight into the trash. Where I worked, extra candy was occasionally set out on tables. During food distribution days, we'd invite people to take as much as they wanted. Most of it remained in bowls at the end of the day. Then we'd set it out on the table in the volunteer area, just like the candy that appears in workplace break rooms after Halloween. Most of it got tossed out at the end of the week. It was always heartbreaking for me to see the waste... The resources that went into candy no one wanted would have been better used on nourishing foods that might fill up someone's belly. So try giving people nutrition. I know, like, I have a lot of friends that give out, like, treat boxes and shit. You know, we'll have some fruit, we'll have chips and crackers and shit. It's a great idea. Freaking giving out candy to children sounds like okay the closest thing I've gotten to giving out candy to children was like I worked at a a radio station right so uh, like during the town's festival I I would get to be on like the the whatever I could be on whatever fucking parade float I wanted to be on and I could throw out fucking candy I think I might have done that like, like I was in show choir when I was a kid I might have thrown out candy on a parade float in show choir Maybe even while singing and dancing in a sparkly vest, motherfuckers. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not that it's not that they won't, you know, make use of the candy. It's just that it seems like they have way too much of the candy. And then, hey, crackers and chips, and especially like potato chips. Kids love some potato chips. And that is more that has more nutritional value. But you know, cheesy crackers and shit. Those are good, too. I just... I I feel the need... I, I, like the woman that worked at the food bank, feel the need to give nutritional value in my content. Yes, I do a show that, <laughs> that has a troll head on a pumpkin with, with multicolored graphics. But I want some nutritional value. I mean, the kids, 
I'm assuming that the reason they've gone to the food banks are the kids are donating them, right? Because, like, the kids just had way too much candy. So the families are giving it to the food bank because, like, what the fuck are they going to do with all this candy? I'm assuming that's how it's making its way to the food banks. Maybe boxes of cereal. Boxes of cereal would be a good treat. Don't they have like the little boxes? Maybe even like Lunchables or something. I don't know. Lunchables are like, uh, yeah, keep those motherfuckers cold. Also, they're expensive. They're, they are a fucking ripoff for what you get in a fucking Lunchable. Just saying. As a food snob. I will I will say the lunchables are a fucking ripoff. So sorry for all the the problems that we had like now I've got like the whole show has been going back and forth between the green and the red light. People listening to this on the podcast have no clue what's going on like you sounded good to me. Yeah, this is a local recording. But like now it's stable. Thank you, PsychoFap. This was weed I bought legally. This is the first time I like just because I've always had really good like pot dealers. Never, I've never, and I've not not been near a legal state until now. Oh my god. Dude smoking weed out of a fleshlight. I'm I'm kind of disgusted by that. It is a bit of a privilege. So, uh, it is legal in Virginia now, but you can't. Um, the dispensaries aren't open until 2024. So I went to a grow house and like I. I paid a fee for some of their CBD. You know, I gave them $140 for this little baggie CBD. And then it allowed me to try a free sample of one of their THC products. And that's what I'm smoking on right now. And it's pretty fucking good. So, oh, you've been growing your own? Is that what you're, is that what you're alluding to? Which is also very fucking cool. This is some kind of like a 24 karat gold OG Kush hybrid. It was supposed to be citrusy and it is, it is citrusy. Every, like I, even when I got back and uh, I let Curious or uh, like I, I, when I packed a bong for the housemates I got like, I got a clean bong out instead of using the one that I've been using for fucking months on end. Uh, I got a clean bong out, got a clean bowl out and everything. So you really taste it. And you can, it, it tastes, it tastes nice. Yeah, I hate to wrap it up because like it's just now like stable. <laughs> I'm sorry about the debate from earlier. I if you if you missed my recap of the debate, unfortunately, 
Ron DeSantis did an incredibly good job. And if you guys want to, uh, let's pull up the, that debate. Ron DeSantis did a good job. I'll see if I can find the... I want the full fucking thing, motherfuckers. You're getting ready for... This is commentary. I We were watching it on a goddamn channel. <laughs> it was on their YouTube. Hold on. It's on your fucking notes, Justin. I will alternate who answers. Economy and the largest budget surplus in history, which we have. Basics, we need to teach them to read, write, add, and subtract. Uh, And if we do that, we'll continue. Congressman? Yeah, it was during the critical race theory thing. Um, But what I think is not good is to scapegoat students based on skin color. It's not good to distort American history by saying that the American Revolution was fought uh, to defend slavery, which is not true. Uh, I think we should have a uh, history like Abraham Lincoln believed in our founding, uh, like Frederick Douglass. These are great eternal principles. We've got a great constitution, and people have used those principles to make great progress uh, over the course of our country's history. I'm proud of our history. I don't want to teach kids to hate our country. I don't want to teach kids to hate each other. And the way to stop discrimination on the basis of race is to stop discriminating on the basis of race. He's just, he's fucking slick. That is not the answer I wanted, though. Uh, And I'm happy that we're going to be able to have accurate history, and we're going to make sure... Maybe it was during the abortion thing. Moving on to public health. It was a rowdy crowd, by the way. So, hey, 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 chat, let me know. What do you think What do you think the the crowd is wearing? You're seeing right there, are they, are they wearing flip-flops? This is Florida. Remember, this is the Florida gubernatorial debate. They're wearing flip-flops and cut-off jeans. They have chest hair showing. Been at the forefront of public policy debate for the past couple of years perhaps never more so than after the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. Right now, a legal challenge to Florida's 15-week abortion ban passed by the legislature and signed by Governor DeSantis is making its way through the courts. The Florida Supreme Court, which will ultimately decide on this issue, has previously found the state constitution's privacy clause applies to abortion access. This question comes from Wayne in Stewart. In your opinion, after what week of pregnancy should abortion be banned? Governor. Well, I was thinking back uh, in the aftermath of this to uh, a poor woman over 40 years ago in Jamaica, and she found herself pregnant, 
didn't think there'd be much opportunity uh, to have a child, was urged to, to, to... Yeah, this is a woman in Jamaica. This is Charlie Chris makes fun of him for this. And, um, you know, for, for whatever reason, and maybe we can't explain, uh, that didn't end up happening, uh, and she ended up having the baby. And I think about that uh, because a few months ago, I appointed her daughter to be the first Jamaican-American justice in the history of the Florida Supreme Court. I just think we're better when everybody counts. Uh, I understand not everyone's going to be born in perfect circumstances, but I would like to see everybody have a shot. I'm proud of the 15 weeks that we did. I know Charlie Crist opposes that, even though the baby is fully formed, has a heartbeat, can feel pain, and can suck their thumb. He also supports sex-selective abortions, which is used to discriminate against little girls. He supports dismemberment abortions, where they literally will tear the baby limb from limb. And he supports taxpayer funding of abortion. God damn, that's a lot. Of lies. Congressman, you have 60 seconds. Ron, that's just not the truth, and you know it. You know it. He wouldn't answer your question. Do you want to ban abortion completely? He never got to it. He talked about Jamaica. I don't want to ban abortion. I want to make sure we keep a woman's right to choose available to the women of the state of Florida. And I want to make sure that we don't have a governor in the future who wouldn't even allow exceptions for rape or incest. We just found out recently about a case of a middle school girl near Jacksonville who was a victim of incest, became impregnated. Because of the bill you signed, Governor, she had to go two to three states in order to take care of this. What issue. state did she That's go to? compassionate leadership. That's not doing the right thing. That's not even having a heart. That's callous, it's barbaric, and it's wrong, and Florida deserves better. And if you, you not want- knowing what state she, she went to, it sounds like uh, your story is bullshit. callous is... Charlie Chris has not only supported abortion up until the moment of birth, he even voted against the Infant Born Alive Act, which would have had medical care for an infant that survives an abortion attempt and is born alive. He's also somebody, uh, something of a little bit of a chameleon. I mean, he used to support a federal constitutional amendment that outlawed all abortion regardless of any type of exceptions. Now he's taken the other extreme position. He used to be a Republican. Honest change of heart? Or is this a guy that's going to shift with whatever win he needs to to try to keep his political... I do... Oh, fucking shit. I do want to point out that this is the current Republican governor of Florida... Is debating the Democratic nominee for governor, who is the former Republican governor of Florida. This is so wild to me. Charlie Crist was a Republican, and during the Obama years, fucking left the Republican Party and became independent, was not successful, and is now running as a Democrat. This is the former Republican governor of Florida debating the current Republican governor of Florida. As a Democrat. I think we all know the answer to that question. Congressman, you have 30 seconds. Ron, again, that's not true, and you know it. You know, I, I watched you debate four years ago, and I remember your opponent said that, you know, in the last debate, I guess he got two instead of the one we're getting. He said, Ron lied 21 times. And when you did it again in his second debate, he goes, well, there's number 22. I don't know why you are so compelled to be disenfranchised from the truth as much as you are. Maybe it's because you don't want to talk about your record. I don't you know don't why you felt the need to bring up uh, what, Andrew Gillum. Citizens. You don't want Thank to talk you, about a woman's right to choose and these other things that are so important to Florida That's today. That's time. Thank you. <laughs> Moving on to our next public health question. 
The coronavirus continues to be a significant concern. A pandemic was not something any of us were prepared for. There was no playbook, no... A lot of different things. Uh, a lot of the dysphoria resolves itself by the time oh God. they become adults. And we have a number of people that have spoken out. And you deserve to have a gun with all of that. When you were in Congress, you wouldn't has endorsed the idea of, quote, reallocating funding away from the police. I guess to get... I would love to be able to show you the part where, and I can't remember what the fuck they were, I would assume it was economics or something. And he made, he looked directly at the camera, he did a real good job of addressing the audience, and he told them that he was going to have a, a holiday on baby products, formula, wipes, shit like that. And that's what I thought it could have been in the abortion section because talking about babies, but I'm not exactly sure. Could have been in the COVID section talking about the, the economic recovery. I don't know when he did it, but like I praised that part. Like it was so good. He did such a good job of talking to the people of Florida. He seemed likable because he makes a joke. He's like, uh... I have a baby at home and my, my wife is like, why didn't you pass this in your first year at office? And like, well, you live and you learn and he gets a good laugh from the audience. But as you can tell, that was a rowdy audience and there were, there were people there for both candidates and they were trying to outdo the other. And it was the most Florida, Florida of debates. You could possibly have a Florida debate of debates. You won't watch the full thing. It'll be up on YouTube here shortly. And on Spotify, I'll put the I'll put the video up on Spotify, all that good shit. Because apparently the, the live stream I did earlier did not work at all. Here's a here's a cat that befriends a dog. Once again, sorry for the internet issues. Not exactly sure what's going on. Two weeks? What the fuck? Psychofap. Weirdo up in here. Enjoy the cat video. It's cat and puppy. Cat befriending a puppy, and the puppy's name is Hippo. Cat and puppy dog. Puppy dog showing us his ass. Been it's been one of those nights.
I don't know who the paradigm shift is, I don't think. But we're going to rate them. Maybe I spent some time in their chat and they were based. Maybe I spent some time in their chat and I trolled them. Voodoo. Good evening, my friend. I'm sorry I didn't I didn't see you earlier. If you were here earlier, if you just made it here, I'm sorry that you're wrapping things up. It's been a weird night. We're going to go say hey to the paradigm shift. And either show them some love. I, I think they're pretty based. Probably show them some love, but troll them if you need to. Go ahead, light one up, dip one back. It's all right to have a little fun before you hit the sack. I am Justin Freakin'. Hopefully we'll see you tomorrow night. We've got all the kinks worked out on the Troll Patrol live.